0: Hello and welcome to What the Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse who, oddly enough, has no kids, yet a huge passion for informing and empowering women on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me every week as we dive into all things prenatal, postnatal, birth, and so much more. So, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are going to talk about pitocin. There's almost 100% chance at some point during your labor delivery experience at the hospital, you will hear the word pitocin, be offered pitocin, be given pitocin at some point during your labor. So pitocin is a synthetic form of oxytocin. Oxytocin was discovered in the 1900s by Sir Henry Dale of London. Fun random fact there. It was found in an extract from the human pituitary gland, which is a pea-sized structure at the base of your brain, the pituitary gland. And they found this oxytocin in there and they discovered that it caused uterine contractions in a pregnant cat. So that's actually how oxytocin was discovered. Pitocin and oxytocin are identical in chemical structure, which is comprised of a chain of nine amino acids. However, they don't act the same in the body. Pitocin is the synthetic form of oxytocin, which your body produces naturally, which is what kind of puts you into labor and keeps your labor progressing. They both cause uterine contractions that help to birth your baby and to birth the placenta and and prevent postpartum The main difference is that pitocin does not cross the blood-brain barrier like oxytocin does. So oxytocin does kind of give you a euphoric feeling when your body produces it naturally. That's why sometimes after birth when the oxytocin surges or even after birth when you breastfeed your baby, you are having an oxytocin surge and that kind of causes that euphoric bonding with your baby. Pitocin does not give you that euphoric feeling. It does the same physically in your body. It just really doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier so it doesn't give you that feeling that normal oxytocin production would. When oxytocin is naturally released in your brain, it reduces anxiety, it reduces stress, and it actually reduces your perception of pain, which is why pitocin sometimes can cause your contractions to be a lot more painful. If you've done labor without any pitocin naturally, and then you do it with Pitocin, naturally, a lot of women will say it feels more painful. Why do we use Pitocin? So Pitocin is commonly used in clinical practice to induce labor or to start labor. Also, it is used to speed up or augment labor, as well as used postpartum to kind of help the uterus contract after birth and to help with bleeding postpartum. In a picture-perfect world, your body would produce oxytocin, which is the natural form of Pitocin. Your body would go into spontaneous labor. The Your body's natural oxytocin would carry you through labor. It would help your body to birth your baby. And then afterwards, your body would keep on producing enough oxytocin to help your uterus cramp up and to control bleeding. But this does not always happen. Sometimes we need to induce labor, speed up labor, and sometimes things happen. So pitocin is our form of oxytocin that we can chemically produce. So I touched on the three reasons why we use Pitocin during labor, but I'm gonna go a little bit deeper into each one. So like I said, one of them was induction or starting of labor. The other one was augmentation or speeding up labor. And then the last one that we use Pitocin mainly for is just to help the uterus contract after birth of the baby and after birth of the placenta and help control bleeding. So to start off, induction. Why do we use Pitocin for induction? How does it work? And how exactly will that be given to you in the hospital? So some reasons Pitocin might be used to induce labor. Let's say that you have gone way past your due date and your physician decides we need to induce labor and Pitocin isn't necessarily used if your cervix is still closed. However, if you're maybe two, three, four centimeters, they might use Pitocin to go ahead and induce labor. If you're not and your cervix is closed, they might use something like a cervidil or a cervical ripening agent before the Pitocin to induce labor. Other reasons, maybe IUGR, which is just where the baby is not growing steadily or enough really in utero, so they just decide that it is time to deliver. Another reason is the baby is measuring very large. If you have gestational diabetes, rupture of membranes, so if your water breaks but you're not necessarily in labor, they might use Pitocin to help to induce and really start and pick up your labor. Another reason why Pitocin might be used is an elective induction. If you choose, maybe you want to be induced a little bit early. There are many reasons why labor might be induced, but the end goal of Pitocin induction is for the Pitocin to mimic your body's natural oxytocin and just help speed up and start your labor. Oxytocin is the main driving hormone in labor. And so the Pitocin is basically just going to supplement that and artificially kind of put your body into labor in a way. And I do get asked quite a bit, how many like women actually coming in labor and how many do you guys induce or things like that? And I don't really know the statistic. Honestly, to me, it seems like I would say like 30 to 40 percent of women we are inducing or at least augmenting with the Pitocin to kind of help speed up and get their body really into labor. But I looked up the statistic and it was roughly one in five deliveries are now induced. So if you are having a Pitocin induction or let's say you come into the hospital and you're laboring, but your labor kind of slows down or your cervical change slows down, your contractions slow down or your labor just stalls out for some reason, they will most likely start Pitocin. Pitocin is given in the IV, so it's basically diluted in a bag of saline, and then it is put on a IV channel pump. The tubing is connected to your IV, and the pitocin just runs continuously and slowly into your IV. We start it really low at a dose of about two, and then we increase it every 30 minutes by another two. So we go two, four, six, eight, all the way up to 20. My hospital our policy is that we go up to 20, and we try to just get your contractions about every two to three minutes apart. Once you hit 20. On the Pitocin, that's kind of the max dose that we like to go up to. If we need to go past it for some reason, of course, the physician will come and be consulted and they might put in some internal monitors to see if your contractions are strong enough and other things like that. But the main point with Pitocin is just to try to get those contractions a little bit stronger and every two to three minutes apart to where they are really making cervical change. Usually, Pitocin after it started IV. It differs per person, but usually it takes about 30 minutes to kick in to where people report that they start feeling their contractions pick up and becoming stronger and closer together. Before Pitocin was used in the 1900s and discovered, there really wasn't many options for a pregnancy that went overdue or a labor that stalled out and stopped making cervical change other than a cesarean section. So I know people are very hesitant to start Pitocin or to be induced or to have their labor augmented. People do refuse it a lot. They just say, no, I just want more time, which I totally understand. But it is such a better option now to have Pitocin because back in the day when they didn't, there really wasn't any other options. Effects of the Pitocin, of course, wanted effects are going to be more painful contractions. Honestly, they do get a little bit more painful with the Pitocin, of course, because the Pitocin is going to bring them closer together. It's going to bring them stronger and hopefully actually cause your contractions to make great cervical change. Some side effects of the Pitocin that Do we do see, but aren't necessarily intended, are going to be fetal distress. So, like I said, Pitocin will intensify your contractions. It will speed up your labor. However, too much Pitocin can lead to contractions that might be a little bit too strong, too close together, or a mixture of both of those, which means it's added stress on your body, added stress on your baby. It can cause decreased placental blood flow and a lower fetal heartbeat. So, when I say fetal distress, mainly I'm talking about fetal decelerations we will see in the heartbeat. So, that is why we try to go up on the Pitocin very slowly. We start at two and and we only go up by two every 30 minutes or so, making sure that your body is tolerating it well, making sure that those contractions aren't becoming too strong or too close to where baby doesn't like it or baby becomes distressed. This is why when you are on Pitocin, you will almost always be on continuous fetal monitoring. So I know a lot of women who want to go natural do not wanna be on continuous fetal monitoring. They wanna have intermittent monitoring or intermittent Doppler. If they don't plan on getting an epidural, they wanna move around the room, walk around the room, maybe use the bathtub, the shower. When you're on Pitocin, honestly, most providers will not allow you to still be in the shower and doing all those things necessarily because they still want you to be on the fetal monitor, which does require you to be in a close enough range. I guess we do have wireless ones now, um, but you do still have to be within a close enough range. And I know at my hospital, usually if you're in the bathroom, a lot of times they do cut out because it is Bluetooth. So with Pitocin, it will require you to be on the continuous monitoring just because sometimes the babies do not tolerate the Pitocin very well. And it does make your contractions become stronger and closer a little bit too quicker to where some babies just do not tolerate it very well. Other side effects of Pitocin are some studies do relate Pitocin induction or augmentation with an increased cesarean section rate. That has not necessarily been proven. It's a really, really, really hard thing to study because on the same other hand of that, you can say that, you know, if you have a really prolonged stalled out labor that's not making good cervical change, your chances of a cesarean are also going to be higher there. So That's really not fully supported, but there are some people who do believe that pitocin will just lead them down kind of a path of medical intervention that will lead them to a cesarean section. Another risk with pitocin is going to be uterine rupture, which is very, very rare. But if your contractions are way too strong, it can cause a tear in the uterine wall, which would cause the uterus to then rupture kind of into the abdominal cavity and surrounding areas of your body. I have used pitocin for induction and augmentation so many times, and we use it. Every single day, multiple times, all the time on so many patients, and I've never had a uterine rupture from Pitocin use. Thank God, I really thank God, but I know that that can be a concern for some people. And like I said, that is extremely, extremely, extremely rare. And the last side effect of Pitocin that I wanted to touch on is that a prolonged exposure to Pitocin during an induction or augmentation can actually cause an increased risk for postpartum hemorrhage. So Pitocin is used postpartum to stop bleeding and to prevent a postpartum hemorrhage. However, a prolonged exposure during labor and prolonged, I'm talking like a whole day on Pitocin mainly, a prolonged exposure can lead to an increased risk to postpartum hemorrhage. The prolonged exposure to Pitocin throughout labor may lead to a reduction in the number of oxytocin receptors. So it's it's called re- receptor desensitization. So it's a big word or receptor downregulation basically, which it, all it means is that by using this for so long, it makes your body less susceptible to the effects of Pitocin. So honestly, my best way to put it and I know this might not be the greatest analogy, but if you think about somebody who uses drugs, in the beginning of using drugs, it might only take a little bit to get you that euphoric high feeling. However, after a long time, people become addicted. And this is how people accidentally overdose because their body, their receptors become almost used to it. So it takes more to get that same effect. Same thing with Pitocin. We give it to you throughout labor for so long. And this is, I'm talking like prolonged, like if you have it, if you're on Pitocin, maybe for A whole day then afterwards it can lead to that same exact effect where your receptors are desensitized to the pitocin and we go to give it to you postpartum and it doesn't really do what it's supposed to it really doesn't cause your uterus to cramp up and clamp down like we want it to and normally we are completely prepared for this we know if you've been on pitocin all day long that when you deliver we should be a little bit prepared to have maybe some extra bleeding and there are there are other drugs that we do use and will use and can use during this situation but like I said go back and listen to episode three of the podcast where I talk about postpartum hemorrhage, and I really go more in depth on that, but that is another side effect of prolonged Pitocin usage. Other options for inducing or augmenting labor that are not going to be Pitocin, if you want to try to avoid a medical intervention and kind of leave that as a last option, are going to be tons of walking. Walking really will help stimulate labor hopefully in most people and it also can help speed up labor. Laying in the same bed in the same position doesn't really do you much to help speed up your labor. Another thing that can help if you want to avoid Pitocin is going to be changing positions, trying different positions, just again that kind of goes with walking but basically just moving your body around and trying to help your labor. And if you are wanting to avoid a medical induction, I am going to record a podcast next week on ways or tips or things that you can do to try to stimulate labor, to try to naturally induce labor if you go past your due date. So make sure you tune back in next week for that podcast. Another option would be artificially rupturing your membrane. So if you don't want on Pitocin, but maybe you're a couple centimeters dilated and you're contracting, but it's just not changing your cervix very much, you can opt to have your water broken. So we would artificially rupture it. Your provider would use a hook or a um, a little snag that they put on their finger basically and just kind of break that bag of water. What that does is releases, of course, all the water and it really does help the baby's head to kind of drop a little bit lower and to apply to the cervix. So instead of having a bag of water kind of, which is soft and squishy, think about like a water balloon pushing up on your cervix with each contraction. When that water balloon is popped, you're gonna have a hard baby head pushing on your cervix with each contraction. And sometimes that is just enough to make those contractions pick up and a lot more effective to dilate their cervix. Your last option when trying to avoid Pitocin, of course, is just time. It's just that labor takes time and sometimes people or providers or Medical staff, anybody, we all get impatient. So, Pitocin is really used to kind of speed things up, which is so necessary in many situations. But sometimes, all you really need to avoid Pitocin is some extra time. That is mainly everything I have to say on Pitocin as far as induction and augmentation. So, induction is where Pitocin is used to start labor. So, you are not in labor at all, and we start some Pitocin. Maybe your cervix is a couple centimeters dilated. We like it to be with Pitocin. And then, Pitocin just starts your contractions and helps them speed up and come closer together and really throws your body into active labor. The other way we use Pitocin is for augmentation, which is just kind of helping your body. So maybe you're already in labor, but you've stalled out. Let's say you've been four centimeters for hours or maybe even a whole day and your water's broken, things like that. We can use Pitocin just to help speed up your labor to help bring the contractions that you're already having a little bit closer together, a little bit stronger to make a little bit more cervical change. The other way that we mainly use Pitocin is going to be postpartum. So after birth, oxytocin, if you opt to not have Pitocin, so your body naturally, actually produces oxytocin and this causes your uterus to contract in order to expel the placenta and then causes your uterus to keep on contracting to kind of clamp down and to help with bleeding. Now almost routinely on every single person delivered, at least at my hospital, we do give them pitocin postpartum. So even if you don't have pitocin during labor to augment it or induce, let's say you go into labor spontaneously, your body carries you all the way through and you birth your baby without any pitocin or anything like that. A lot of times it will still be given postpartum to just help your uterus contract expel the placenta, and to clamp down. Pitocin is the first line of drug of choice and routinely given to everybody after delivery to prevent a postpartum hemorrhage. Unless you specifically request to not have pitocin, you most likely will have it after delivery. And I do have a podcast, it's episode three of this podcast, and it talks all about postpartum hemorrhage. So I highly suggest that you go back and listen to that. I do talk about pitocin in that podcast, but I really talk all about postpartum hemorrhage, what causes it, and really dive deep into the topic of postpartum hemorrhage. So after the delivery of your baby, your contractions, that movement, you keep on contracting, and that separates the placenta from the uterine wall. When the placenta detaches, it kind of leaves like a placenta-sized wound, if you would say, in your uterus. So it almost leaves like, think about ripping a scab off. That's kind of what it leaves inside the wall of your uterus after the placenta comes and separates from the uterus wall. Without effective contractions, those uterine blood vessels are now left wide open and a lot of blood can be lost very quickly. That is how a postpartum hemorrhage starts. The main cause of a postpartum hemorrhage is your uterine tone not being toned. Basically, it's your uterus not cramping, not clamping down on those blood vessels and stopping the bleeding. It's your uterus not effectively contracting. So that is why we almost routinely always give the Pitocin postpartum because it will really stimulate your uterus to have effective contractions to cramp up and to really clamp off those blood vessels. So that is how Pitocin is used postpartum. We just run it through your IV, obviously at a lot faster rate than we do during labor. So like I said, in labor, we go, we start at two, go up by two, all the way up to 20. We really just kind of let gravity, just let it flow in because at this point, there's not a baby in there anymore. So your uterus can just take a lot of Pitocin and just use it to cramp up. You don't have to worry postpartum about your contractions being too strong or too close together. And that is just the real quick explanation of Pitocin, what Pitocin is and how we use it in the labor and delivery world. Just so that way, when you see Pitocin or you go in to have your baby and you hear the word Pitocin, you know what it is, you know what it's used for. It is a uterotonic drug. It's a synthetic form of oxytocin with the same chemical makeup. And we use it to either induce or start labor to speed up and augment labor Or we use it postpartum to help the uterus kind of cramp up, clamp down, and stop any bleeding. Pitocin's main goal, the main function of Pitocin, is really to help your uterus cramp stronger. And whether that be during labor or postpartum, that is what Pitocin does. It goes in through your IV on an electric pump. The main side effects are going to be more painful and closer together contractions, which is kind of a double-edged sword because it is kind of what we want at the same time. Another side effect can be fetal distress. So sometimes the intense contractions and speeding up of labor will cause your baby to get a little bit stressed. And when that happens, honestly, all we do is just stop the infusion for a little while or slow it down. And it does come out of the body very fast. The other side effect that can happen with Pitocin is a uterine rupture, which is extremely, extremely rare. Thank you guys for tuning into this podcast all about Pitocin and I will see you next week in another episode. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it and I will see you next week to talk more about The Bump. And of course, I know you all probably know this, but I have to add it in. I make every effort to broadcast correct information through this podcast, but I am still learning so much. So I am in no way providing medical advice through this podcast, just sharing the things that myself and others have experienced or learned. Make sure to consult your physician before taking anything from this podcast and changing your health. This applies to any guests or contributors that I also have on this podcast. Thank you.